word of the Lord tonight, and I will be reading from Ephesians chapter 3. And um, a familiar portion of scripture maybe for some of us, but Ephesians 3, and we will read starting at verse 14, and I'll read through verse 21. This is from the ESV version. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, may he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then reading from 1 John 4.19, just a short verse that says, We love because he first loved us. Amen. I've thought about this um, service for, for several weeks now, ever since Sister Buford started talking about it. And I really wanted to talk about something that's, you know, profound and... <laughs> Um, just wow you, but I just, I couldn't get away from this thought, and I've learned a long time ago, don't argue with what you're feeling, just what God's dealing with you, that's what I'm speaking from. I just kept coming back to the subject of love, and the word love is probably the most overused word in the English language. Um, we use it for everything, like you love people, you uh, love friends, you love animals, you love food, you love places, you like um, clothes, shoes, coffee, bacon, ice cream, uh, buildings, weather. We don't love the weather we're having lately. Um, other emotions, hobbies, and recently there was an animated kids movie that expressed it that some people just love love. And I found that when I started thinking about this, this word and, and thinking about love, I, I looked it up in, um, in the Bible, and um, the word love is found throughout the Bible. Um, it's found in 34 of the 39 books of the Old Testament and 26 out of 27 books in the New Testament. And that's the ESV. It's a little different according to what version you look. But it's pretty consistent that it's found in almost every book of the Bible that you find the word love. And in Genesis, we first find the word love talking about the love Abraham had for his son Isaac. But then just a few chapters later, we find the word love talking about the food that Isaac wanted his son to cook for him. It was a savory meat that he loved. So that tells me that the word love can be used for a lot of things. It talks about our children, which is certainly love, but then it also talks about food. And so it's a pretty broad spectrum of human emotion. And if you don't think that love is a big deal, the Bible tells us that God is love. So, yeah, there's that. 
in John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this will all men know that you are my disciples when you have love one for another. So love is a big deal. We go back and look at the first passage of scripture I read in Ephesians 3. Paul is praying, and in these verses he says he wants to be strengthened. He prays for us to be strengthened by the Spirit in our inner being. And I think I can step out on a limb here and say that I'm not the only one here tonight that needs strength in my inner being. That's where my biggest battle takes place is in my inner being. And then he prays that Christ would would dwell in our heart. That's the inner being again, that we would be rooted and grounded, inner being again, in love. And then we come back to strength. He prays that we would have strength to comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, to know the love of Jesus and to be filled to all fullness, with all fullness of God. In another epistle in Romans, and we sang it in a song just a few minutes ago, Paul tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he lists a whole bunch of things, life, death, persecution, uh, distress. I mean, there's just a lot of things. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So my question tonight is, why do we live our lives looking for love? And there's an old country song that the younger ones probably don't even know, but Most of us, many of us, are looking for love in all the wrong places. (laughs) If you haven't ever heard it, look it up. It's a great song. But actually don't because I have no idea what the lyrics are. I just know looking for love in all the wrong places. So, yeah, maybe you don't want to look it up. It is a country song after all. But I once heard a speaker that described this concept of looking for love like someone who is walking around with a pitcher and looking for people to fill her, like a love tank, so to speak. And um, we've got this emptiness, and we're looking for love. And, you know, when our husband compliments us or buys us a new pair of shoes, we, you know, we're, our little pitcher's filled up a little bit. We post a picture, on, a picture on Facebook, and we get a lot of likes, and, you know, it fills our tank up a little bit more. Our friend compliments us. But then... You know, our other friend posts a picture of her kids, and they did something amazing, and she gets more likes than I did, so we kind of stumble a little bit and spill some of our Kool-Aid. <laughs> and all, and if I had thought that Pastor Buford wouldn't get upset with me, I would have, like, had something to put in this, but I didn't want to go there. So um, all the while, Jesus is standing there with this unlimited supply of love, and he's like, I'm right here. I'm right here waiting to fill that emptiness inside. And he longs for us to be rooted and grounded in his love. And he wants to give us strength to comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of his love. He wants to fill us, the scripture said, with all fullness of God. Like, I can't even comprehend that. Um. I love to watch people, and, and I get that from my dad. He's the time, like, he can go sit in the mall and just sit and watch people. Like, I just, it's fascinating. Um, and I, I find myself watching people, especially we're traveling, and um, we come into churches, and we don't know anyone, and I'll sit, you, like, you just sit there and just watch people. It, it, it really is fascinating. But one thing that I've found, we've been traveling now since February, lots of churches, lots of places, 
But it seems like I, it, I just keep this feeling, uh, this sense as I'm, as I'm watching people that so many of, of, of the people I see in our churches, it's like they're, they've lost their joy, the joy of serving the Lord. And I don't know that it's significant. I don't, I mean, I know it's the Bible, it's Word of God, so it's significant. But I don't know if it was on purpose that when you find in Galatians 5 the fruit of the Spirit listed, that love and joy are the first two. But I do believe very strongly that those two are very much connected, love and joy. And the other night, uh, Wednesday this past week, we didn't have a service, and we were in Texas, and um, North Texas was having their camp meeting, their summit, they call it. And so we found out that Brother Woodward was preaching, and so we're like, well, you can't go wrong. So we drove a couple of hours over to Dallas to be in that service. And if I had any doubts about what, that what I was feeling was what I needed to speak about tonight, they were erased after I heard him preach. And he read a scripture from Leviticus chapter 23, verse 13, um, and I've probably read it before. Well, I know I've read it before when I've read the Bible through, but it just really struck me and connected with um, what I was speaking about tonight. And in Leviticus 26, 13, um, God is giving a promise um, of blessing for obedience. And he says, and I'm reading this from the NIV, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. And Brother Woodward preached an excellent message about throwing off the yoke, the yoke of depression and the yoke of self-condemnation and walking tall and walking confident in the love of Jesus. And living for God and living with God is the best life that there is. There's joy, there's freedom, there's, there's peace. And yet we find ourselves walking around burdened down with worry and fear and, and self-condemnation, self-doubt, insecurities. We walk around with our pitcher looking for people to fill it when we have a Savior standing right there who gave his life for us and who offers life more abundantly, the scripture says. And a, f a few years ago, something happened to me that just rocked my world. I had, um, I had always struggled with insecurity growing up, was never really a confident person. Um, as I got older, and um, I, don't, I don't play an instrument, I don't sing, and, you know, those are pretty high up on the resume for a Pentecostal preacher's wife, and um, I felt all the things that girls feel. My hair is not the right color, and then God turned it gray, so thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry for complaining that my hair is not blonde, so there you go. My hair is curly. I always wanted straight hair. I don't, I don't tan. Um, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't, um, I don't have curves in all the right places. Now, too many curves. Um, in, in my teens, I was actually too skinny. Imagine that. Now I'm like, well, can I just go back to that? I won't complain about being skinny anymore. But life goes on. I married. I had kids. Um, I have a good life. I, but I still struggled with insecurities. I still struggled um, with feeling, you know, that it just, I just didn't quite measure up. And then... Bam, somebody I thought was a, was a friend, someone that um, 
I allowed to get close to me, did something, and it, and it shook me to my core. And I had to come face to face with my identity as a child of God. And even though that betrayal forced me to walk through one of the darkest valleys that I've, I've ha- had to walk through in my life, looking back, I'm thankful for the lessons that I learned. But since then, since that time, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, God has been working on me in this area of insecurity. I'm nowhere near over it. There are still days when I scroll through Facebook or through social media and you feel just less than whatever it is. And jealousy will rear its ugly head over some of the stupidest stuff. It really is when you think about it. You know, as a young girl, when you... um, you think that when you get married and have kids that all that goes away. Well, boy, was that wrong. Um, being married and having kids just gives you that many more ways to feel less than or to feel like you're comparing yourself to other people. And, you know, why didn't my kid get invited to the party? Why didn't my kid get asked to do a solo? Why didn't my husband get a promotion? Um, you know, her kids are smarter. Her husband writes these amazing posts on Facebook, flowery words. My husband's not even on Facebook. And all of these things that we, you know, you know, they vacation and they go to New York. And me and my family are doing good if we get to Branson once a year. And um, it's, just, it's just stuff, just stuff that we see in others that we just feel like we don't measure up. And those are things that we all feel in some way or another. And I, I feel... But God has slowly, because I'm probably a little bit hard-headed, but he's helped me to learn to bring my picture to him to be filled. My security and my identity have to be in Jesus. My value has to be in Jesus. I still feel those things, but those feelings are now slowly beginning to push me towards Jesus a little bit quicker than they used to. And I've learned that it all comes back to relationship, to be rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus. But to have a relationship, any relationship, and certainly a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's all about the time that we invest, and not not just time, but just investing in that relationship. The foundation of my life must be Jesus. Another thing that I've learned is that my relationship with Jesus must be first. It must be personal not dependent on anyone else around me. About five years ago, this lesson really came home to me because um, one of our presbyters in Madagascar passed away suddenly. He was uh, in his early 60s, and he just literally was sitting in the chair and just died. And we were in the States when it happened, and we got back to Madagascar just a, just a few months afterwards, and his wife came to see us and sat in our, in our living room. And in the conversation, um, she said something that I'll never forget. It was burned in my mind. She sat in our living room crying, and she's struggling with losing her husband. But more than that, she was struggling with her identity and who she was. And she sat there, and she made the statement, I don't know if I can serve the Lord without my husband. I don't know if I can serve the Lord if I'm not a pastor's wife. And I just, I couldn't get that out of my mind. And I began to examine myself and my life. Is my relationship with the Lord based on the fact that my husband is a missionary? Is my relationship with the Lord based on the fact that my children are serving God? 
If something happened tomorrow and my husband was taken away from me, my children were taken away from me, if we were no longer missionaries, could I still serve Jesus? And I really, I really had to examine myself. And even though I've been in church all my life, I've had the Holy Ghost almost 36 years. By the way, happy birthday, Sister Stacy, today. Woohoo! 37 years, I believe. Her spiritual birthday. Even though I've been a missionary for 25 years, I've had to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I had to re-examine my relationship with Jesus and make sure that I'm serving him because it's personal. It's about me. It's not because of my husband. It's not because of my kids. It's not because my dad's a pastor or a preacher. It's not because, you know, it would be embarrassing for me to backslide. I am serving Jesus because I love him and I'm rooted and grounded in his love. And I have to invest in my relationship with Jesus on a personal level. And that's why one of the reasons that services like this are so important, ladies' retreats and ladies' Bible studies and ladies' prayer and and time that we spend on our own studying the word of God, prayer time, making a choice to take time throughout your day to give thanks to God for just the little things, just little things. If you look at the idea of being rooted and grounded in love, those, the personal devotion time that we have, that is what takes care of those roots. And I know, I know we're busy. I know we work and we take care of our families and some of us are still in school and you've got all your responsibilities, but we can still make our relationship with Jesus our priority. He doesn't expect us, I'm learning, I'm getting to the point to realize he doesn't expect us to pray and read our Bibles a certain amount of time every day, hours and hours and hours. That's not what he, that's not really what he's looking for. I certainly hope not because most days I don't pray hours and hours and spend all that time. In fact, this morning I had some prayer time sitting in the car in the IHOP parking lot this morning. I was waiting, meeting Jared and Tiffany for breakfast and I was sitting there and so I just prayed for a few minutes as I was sitting there. I figured it was better than scrolling through Facebook. Um, yeah, so I think that was a good choice. But, you know, you can listen to Joy FM while you drive to work. You can, walking down the aisle at the supermarket, you can thank the Lord that you have money to buy groceries. I mean, you can, as you're doing laundry, you're preparing dinner for your family and you're doing laundry for your family. I mean, if you need a reason to give thanks for that, the ladies in Madagascar, they have to wash their clothes down at the river, so um, I'm pretty thankful for my washer and dryer. Thank you, ladies' ministries. I don't have to wash my clothes at the river because I'm pretty sure my family would be wearing the same clothes all the time. You can wear it again. It's okay. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they get their clothes clean washing it in dirty water, but Sister Portress, they manage to get their clothes clean somehow, don't they? But he just... It's just the little things that we take just a, just a moment to thank the Lord or to acknowledge him or to sing and worship. And, and it's not all done on our knees, although, I mean, that's certainly important. I'm not saying that we don't have time that we're on our knees and we're praying, but just he wants to be a part of our daily life. He longs to fill us with all of his fullness. He longs for us to find our security and our value in him. I think sometimes how it must break his heart to, to stand there and watch us with our picture going around to everybody trying to get someone to validate us and make us feel good about ourselves and make us feel like we're worthy. And he's standing right there. Strugg- and we're here struggling with jealousy. We're struggling with self-condemnation. 
Because, I mean, nothing's hidden from him. He sees, he, he sees what we feel. He sees how we struggle with feeling less than and inadequate. And yet we're his creation. He formed us. Scripture in Psalm says he knitted us together in the womb. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Why do we scoff at his creation and why do we question his creation? Each of us here tonight are his creation and you, each one of you, whatever your age, whatever your place in life, whatever your season in life, you can be rooted and grounded in his love. You can find joy in your walk with him. And if you feel tonight maybe that the joy is not there, Maybe some of you have been serving the Lord for a long time and there was a time in your life where you felt that joy, but the busyness of life or whatever reason, life, you know, life has a way of kind of knocking us down at times and maybe you've lost that joy or maybe you've never really felt the joy. You can ask him for it. You can pray and ask the Lord to give you joy and joy in serving him. And even though I grew up in this, like I said, it wasn't until a few years ago that I really began to feel like I was rooted and grounded in his love before I really began to feel what I would say is a hunger for the word of God. I mean, I, and, I mean, had always read the Bible, but just that hunger and that desire to, to study and to, to enjoy reading the Bible and doing Bible studies. And, I mean, I remember growing up, a Bible study, that was something you taught a new convert, like, you know, search for truth, Bible study, that was... But now I've learned, like, you can do a Bible study. Anyone can do a Bible study, and they're fun, and they're exciting, and it's like digging and finding these nuggets of truth. And there's all kinds of Bible studies. In fact, Sister Melinda Porches has a Bible study. Um, if you haven't got it, I encourage you to get it. It's a great Bible study about holiness, and um, we've translated it in Malagasy, and we use it there. So, But the Bible is, like, God's love letter to us. And I know um, I tease my husband sometimes because before we were married, he would write poems and he'd write letters. I mean, this was, I mean, back in the days when you actually wrote letters with a pen. I'm that old. Um, I got bifocals today, remember. Um, <laughs> and I still have those letters. They're packed up in a box, stored somewhere, but I still have them. And even now, like, if, you know, you just go back and you read them, and it just, there's just that, it's just special. Well, the Bible is God's love letter to us. The Bible is like his Facebook post declaring his love for us. It's right here in his word. Um, so when you're feeling down, when you're feeling less than, go to his word. Turn to his word. Read his word. Claim verses for your own. I started several years ago where I, if, if I'm reading and, and a verse just really grabs me, I'll write it down. I'll stick it on a post-it note or stick it somewhere, print it out, and stick it in my office, put it in the bedroom, put it in somewhere that I'm going to see it and claim that verse for my own. Oh, that we would be rooted and grounded in his love. And that's my prayer for you tonight. As Paul prayed, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father so that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length 
and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. That's my prayer for you tonight. And um, I'm thankful that I'm not alone on this journey. But I have sisters who can join with me. And even though we're not always here together, but just knowing that we're all joining together in this pursuit of being rooted and grounded in love. Amen. Thank you, Sister Buford, for allowing us to be, or allowing me to be here. And um, Lord bless you tonight.